You ready for today? All right. I hope so. Always. Somebody said always. Never read a Bible verse. I know that sounds a little counterintuitive, but never read a Bible verse. So you may be sitting here and thinking, Pastor, what are you talking about? Don't read a Bible verse. Here's what I'm talking about. As Christians, this is not wrong, but I just want you to understand where I'm coming from. It can be easy to isolate certain verses which we enjoy or speak a lot to us. Nothing really wrong with that. The downside to that, though, is that at times we don't get the fuller picture of what, what the, the author of that particular piece of scripture was trying to say. It's not to say that you can't isolate a specific meaning. I mean, we all know John 3.16, right? Right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. We get that, right? But you realize it's not an isolated verse. It's right in the middle of some very, very important verses. You don't see that a lot of times. Sometimes we'll read a certain verse and... And I'm not trying to offend anybody, but Philippians 4.13, what does it say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a good verse. But it's not really, I see it printed on people's track shirts or something. That's not what that verse is about. It's about actually Paul going through persecution, not, not running a race. I mean, the race we're living, that race, if you would apply it to a race, it might be the race of life that is grueling and difficult and God gives you strength. It's different than a lot of times. You know, it's not about lifting weights. I've seen it on guys at the gym too, and that's not what that's about. God's not going to give you strength to lift that, um, that extra plate. That's not what that's about. <clears throat> it's about us walking through issues, and the Bible's very real about that, but it's easy to miss that if you just read a verse. So it's tempting, you know, preaching a sermon, it's tempting just to give you a verse, and sometimes we do that because they're packed full of meaning. But what I don't want you to do as a, as a scholar, as a student of the word, to just isolate to that. You need to read and see what's going on in there because it was written as a whole, as a group, as a purpose. There's more to it than that. In fact, most of the New Testament is, are actually letters that were intended to be read all at once. Don't raise your hand. How many of you have read an entire book in the New Testament all at once lately? We don't do that very often. We usually read parts, paragraphs maybe, or sections or chapters. Did you know the chapters and verses weren't put in for a thousand years? Why is that? Why did they put them in in the first place? It's just for easy reference. They weren't necessarily put there to, certainly not to limit our reading. It was put there just for easy reference so you could find stuff quicker. It had nothing to do with necessarily limiting us. That would have never been their intent. The intent was to read it all as a whole. Now, certainly, with especially like today, we're looking at some of Paul's letters. His letters are chocked full of meaning and information. So we're going to take a look about a little bit about that today. And here, I'll just tell you straight up what I want to talk about with you. I want to talk about this. The very fact that the gifts of the Spirit mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 are supposed to be lived every day and... In addition to that, we are a body of Christ and supposed to function together. And we all have parts to play. You can all go home. You got it, right? Did you get that? Yes, amen. Okay, well, let's talk about this for a second. Here's what I want you to understand. That when, when it, it's really interesting, too, because Luke is the one who talks about the day of Pentecost and how the Spirit came to everybody. He talks about that in Acts chapter 2. 
And in Acts chapter 2, Peter gets up and, and once the day of Pentecost happened and they all spoke in tongues, it created such an uproar in a crowd and it was like 9 in the morning and people are thinking, what's going on? I hear all these people. In the, in the word, it literally says, we hear them praising God in our languages because there are people there. It was a festival day, people there from all over the world. They were praising God in their languages. So then Peter gets up and he says, what you are seeing is Joel, Joel, the prophet Joel being fulfilled in your hearing. And he says, your young men are seeing visions, your old men are dream dreams. It talks about the the maidservants, the, the men, the women, the young, the old are being filled with the Holy Spirit and they are now operating in the gifts and they are prophesying. That's what he said was happening. So before we move any further, who's excluded from that? Wait, let's not be that way. Who's included in that? Raise your hand if you're included in those groups. Some of you didn't raise your hand. You realize I can see you really well, right? You know how this works? It is a funny thing being, if you've never been up here, I'm not inviting you up here right now, but if, I, if you were, it is kind of a crazy thing because I can see everybody. It's always funny, you know, somebody's talking or whatever. It doesn't bother me, but I can see it. <clears throat> so who's included in that? Who's young, old, men, women? Okay. All right, y'all were included. Do you get that? All of them were included. And he said, in these last days. So let's do some math. If that was last days, how much more are today's the last days? So does it apply to us today? Yes. Would that have ended it at some point? Some people think it ended. Why would they think that? You know why? Here's why. They stopped seeing it happen. So they tried to explain why isn't this happening anymore? Why aren't people moving in the gifts? So they had to come up with a reason. It can't be us, right? You know how we do. Someone else's fault, right? So there's a theology developed. It was developed hundreds of years after the early church that said that, the, that God divided the world up into these dispensations of time and that to get the church launched, he needed these gifts of the Spirit. That's not in the Bible. It's just something people have put on the Bible. That's no... That's, That's not what it said. In fact, if you look at it, Paul assumed these things, as he started churches, he assumed these things would be happening. And the portion of scripture we're going to look at today is a church that had gotten really out of control and wild. And so he was trying to explain to them how these should work. So we're just looking at a piece of it today. As I said, don't read a Bible verse, but to read the whole section and talk about it all, we'd be here for hours and hours. See? And we... That's probably not a good... (laughs) Nobody wants that today. (laughs) Here's what I want you to understand. These are for everybody. Everybody. All right. I want you to understand something else. These are principles as you look into Scripture. One of the things that I worry about for us as a church, and I don't mean just us, I mean the entire church, Christianity, is it's easy to get sidetracked by things. Certain things, there's waves of teaching that come in and out of the church, and it's very important for you to understand the New Testament is not to be a secret thing. This is not like American Treasure or Dan Brown's, what was his thing? His, I forget the name of that book, but where he tried to make it all secretive. That's not it. God's not trying to fool you. He is not. He tells you what you need. Yeah, Da Vinci Code, thank you. When, G- when Jesus was asked by the disciples, teach us to pray, He gave them a way to pray. And if he meant that there were other secret things you could do in prayer, he would have said so. You get that, right? 
So here's a very simple way to remember that. The plain things are the main things. Did you catch that? You don't have to know Greek. You don't. Uh, that's, Greek is great, but you don't have to know that. We have the main things. And there, there are nuances. There's differences in the way words are interpreted, and we can learn things, and knowing the backgrounds help. All that's important. But I want you to understand as a Christian sitting right here today watching online, you can read the New Testament and understand what it's expected out of you. You can understand that. It's there for us. <laughs> so let me just mention this. You, as a Christian, are expected to walk in the Spirit. What does that mean? It means you wake up every day and his presence is with you. You pray to him. You have an ongoing conversation through the day. You are supposed to be recognizing and knowing he is with you all day long. It's not as if you live in this life and then you walk into church and then you're a Christian and then you go to work and you're a work person. All of that's the same. We're not supposed to compartmentalize those part of our lives where it's, it's just for us at different times and we ask all, act all Christian-y here and then we don't overhear. That's not, that's not how we're intended to live. It's supposed to be something that's woven into every part of your life, every waking moment. <laughs> My mom, I know she'll hear this, and this is a good thing, mom. But I remember as a kid, I'd say, hey, she'd say, hey, where are you going? I said, I don't, I don't know for sure. My friends and I, were going to go somewhere or whatever. I don't even know. And she'd say, well, could Jesus go with you? <laughs> and I'd be like, yes, he could, of course. But what she was trying to say is like, I'm not sure I trust where you're going. Well, she didn't really trust to some of my friends, but regardless, her question is a good one. Could he go with you? Well, yeah. I said, I remember even one time saying, he's always with me. And she goes, just so you remember that, you know. <laughs> but it's true, and it should be that all the time. It's, it's like an awareness. It's never, he's never not there. His spirit is always with you. When I wake up, constant awareness in good times, also in bad times, in difficult times, in joyous times. I hope it's like that for you. In happy times, in sad times, it's always like that. So I'm gonna, we're going to jump into chapter 12, and I, I, we're going to read through this, and I just want you to grasp the point today. Verse number four, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of all of them. Who's the source? The same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. Who does the work? You can answer in church, especially if I'm asking. Who does the work? Who gives the spirit? Who gives the gifts? Okay. Verse number seven. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Why are they given? Only in church. Did it say that? Why do we do that? Why do we act like the only place spiritual gifts are for in church? I think we do it for a couple reasons. I think one reason is we're human beings. Another reason is we act like this is a holy place. You know what makes this place holy? You, here. God is here. He's always here. He's always with you. His, if, he, if you are a believer today, his spirit is in you. 
That's, that's one of the main differences. When, when Jesus came and, and breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit, and then when he said, when I leave, I'm going to send the Comforter, and he will come, what he was trying to say to them, it's no longer the temple is where you go to meet with God. God's in you now, and you being the church, you are where the, the Spirit is. He is with you. I, I come in here multiple times a week and pray. I don't do that because I'm looking for him and find him here. I don't. I do that because it's, I'm less distracted and I, I feel more focused. It's not like I'm, call, I'm looking for him in the lobby, but I have to find him here. That's not it. So spiritual gifts is, so who gets gifts? Said each of us right there. Hmm. And why again? To help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give. Now, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, so some of these gifts may not be the, the familiar terminology that you're used to. To another Spirit, okay, it gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. Do you know how he keeps emphasizing one in unity? He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a, spirit, a message is from the Spirit of God and to another, this, um, to another from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown tongues while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. Paul is a good teacher. You know what the... They say the mother's milk of teaching is? It's repetition. And if you're reading this verses, these verses in isolation, you wouldn't notice the repetition. But look what he says in verse 11. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. That's basically the same thing he said in verse 7. He alone decides which gift each person should have, which is the same thing he said up in verse 4. When you read the whole thing, you get what he's saying. So he, he's got some details in here, but the overarching thing he's saying is, we're all supposed to have gifts. He gives them. Do you see that? You got that so far? Okay. I look at this and I realize something. He's the one who distributes. Everyone has a part. So there's a lot of talk today about equity. Are you familiar with that term? It kind of gets slid in in a way because I, I know when I first started hearing that term, I thought, do they mean equality? But they don't. What equity usually means today in our culture is you look at outcomes and if they're not the same, that's not fair and we have to figure a way to make the outcomes equal. Well, that's in a way what theologians did or some, not, not everybody, the whole church didn't believe that, but when they said, hey, we don't see gifts so there must not be for today. That's not it. If you look around a group of Christians and wonder, why aren't we seeing people move in these gifts to help each other? The question should not be, uh, why aren't we seeing that? There there should be, do we all have equal access? So let me ask you again, who gives the gifts? The Spirit. And why does he give them? To help each other. Do you guys catch that? And who does he give them to? If you look at Joel and, and... Peter, all y'all, right? Can we ask that again? Who of you are qualified to receive gifts? Let me ask, raise your hand again. 
I'm asking you to do this on purpose. I want you to get it. You are, you, you are qualified for this. God's no respecter of persons. Or is he? That sounds wrong, right? Didn't that sound wrong for me to say that? Why? What keeps you from having gifts? Could it be you? How many of you have gotten a gift? I've done this before. I, okay, you know the whole love language thing. How many of you would consider yourselves gifts persons? Really that few? Just three? Well, then those three are going to really not understand this. But I've been given a gift. I appreciated it. I sat it down and then forgot about it. And I walked away. <laughs> Someone groaned. Because they would never do that. If you're a real gifts person, to you, you'd be like, what? How could you walk away from a gift? Well, I, I, it was important. It, just, it wasn't the most important thing. I got distracted and whatever. And then, then like a day later, I walk over like, oh my gosh, I didn't even open that gift. Am I the only one? Does anybody else do that? Have you ever done that? No? Gosh. Okay, one person. Okay, I'm weird. All right. Why do we do that with God? Where he literally says, I have gifts for you. I want to give them to you. I will choose what gift you have. Why do we not do that? I think it comes down to this. Have you asked? Have you sought them? Did you even know there was a gift available? <laughs> How many of you have seen those things? Occasionally you see these commercials and they're like, you may have money sitting there. You know, it's like maybe back tax money or something and you got to research. Anybody ever done that? And you can put your name into this, some website. I'm always afraid to do that with websites anyway. But if it's a government thing and they've got money that may be sitting there, I mean, like, I don't think I have that. Cause, but anyway, who wouldn't do that? He decides. Can I tell you a silly story, but it's true? When I was a senior in high school, or college, sorry, college, I, um, I was the ASB president of the college, the university. And um, there was this guy at the school who was um, from another country. He's a very spiritual guy. I mean, anytime you talk to him, it was just unusual. Very spiritual dude. And he said, uh, Brother Dennis, you can tell how weird it was. He called me Brother Dennis. Brother Dennis, I feel like God wants to impart some spiritual gifts to you. And I'm like, okay. And so he, we met in the prayer room at school and, and uh, he laid hands on me and he felt like I had been given the gift of discernment. I'm like, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm op- I, want, I want what God has for me. Do you guys want what God has for you? So he went into this whole thing about having every spiritual gift and, and you know, all that. I was kind of skeptical of that part. But anyway, he kept saying that. And then maybe this was the gift of discernment. I said, okay, if I'm going to be ASB president, wouldn't I need wisdom? I'd rather, I mean, I'd like that, you know? And he goes, Okay, let me ask. And then he prayed. And it was all kind of weird. Yeah. I've never forgot that, though. Here's why. I really do believe that gifts can be imparted that way. I mean, we see that. Paul mentions that as far as Timothy, you know, nurture the gift that was imparted to you with the laying on of hands. That's biblical. But I also believe God is, it didn't say that here. Do you see the problem? So when I ask you which gifts you have, you may be thinking, well, nobody's laid hands on me. I don't think God's limited by that. I believe that he has gifts. The Holy Spirit's going to decide. I think what limits him is me. 
Me. Now, we'll pray after this service, and we're going to pray God would give you gifts that you can use for what? To help each other. Where? When in the day? 10.30 on Sundays? Okay. So Paul does this next. Here's what he does. Paul is a master at building arguments, reasons for you to do what he says. So he just said, gifts are for all of us. The Holy Spirit decides which one, and they're to help us, each other, right? Then he gives a very cool illustration, which I know you're familiar with, but he gives the illustration on purpose because he wants, again, for you to understand it's for all y'all. If he was from Missouri, he would have said that. (laughs) Instead, he does this. The human body has many parts, But the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews. Some of us are Gentiles. Some of us are slaves. Some of us are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Look what he did there. In there, he includes a bunch of people. He said there's no racial differences in the church. He also mentioned something which I read that and I'm I'm offended by. He says slaves and free. How could... Why would they have slaves in the church? Well, part of the reason in this word, we, I don't know why we do this in our modern translations, but we say slave. When I think of slave, I think of the, the horrendous slavery in the U.S. That's not what he's talking about. You could also translate that word servant because a lot of, there were very many striations of servitude in their culture. Most of the time, people couldn't afford to live, so they would hire themselves onto somebody who had money and you would be their servant sometimes for life, but you were paid. You lived with them. It was different. It wasn't the kind of slavery we had in the U.S., thank God. They did have that, but that's not what this word's referring to. So in a church service, you would have people who were, who were in servitude and you would have people who were not. That's what he's talking about. We could apply that to our world today and say race is not the issue. Neither is economic status. Those things are not the same here. But we're all been baptized into one body. We all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that make it any less part of the body? If the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? (coughs) This is a funny portion of scripture. Or if your whole body were an ear, How would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. What part are you? Some of you, I was going to, sorry, I was going to think, some of you, a lot of you are just a mouth. I'm just kidding, like a big mouth. But I was... That had to be from the Lord, because that's not in my notes. I was just thinking, when you think about what's you, what are you, maybe, let's, let's make this super practical. Maybe you are super organized. Maybe you do have a gift of administration. Maybe there are things that God has given you that are so important in the body, but you don't, you don't realize that you, what you are given is given from God. It's important for you to be those things. And maybe you don't see it, but it says right here, Paul keeps repeating this. God has put each part where he wants it. 
How strange would a body be if it only had one part? Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some of the body, parts of the body seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we close with the greatest care. So we carefully protect all those parts and should, that should not be seen. <laughs> I have nobody in mind. I'm just reading that. <laughs> While the more honorable parts do not require this special care. What do we do? We glorify the parts that are out front. We act like that's the most important thing and we give them all this honor. And Paul is literally saying here, sometimes the most important part that is due more honor is the part you never see. Anybody? Yeah. The part, think about this church. Uh, you, you, you seldom see, you know, Deborah Diebold and Pam Klein, but what they do in this church is essential. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can never say to I don't need you. And he goes on and he goes, well, more, uh, this, makes, this makes for harmony. Oh, again, he, ver- he repeats in 24. So God puts the body together with such extra honor and care given to those parts that have less dignity. God's doing this. Makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. One part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Each of you is a part of it. So who of you qualify for that again? Okay, I'm not seeing a lot of hands still. I'm just wondering. You know what that means? That the less obvious parts are equal to the more obvious parts. I said oddest. Um, the, the more modest ones. So whatever's happening in front on stage is not more important than the rest. We're all essential workers. Man. Do you guys ever watch American Idol? I haven't watched it in ages, but the best part was in the beginning, right? Of those shows where some poor soul gets up there and they're a horrible singer and they, someone's told them their whole life. You know what breaks my heart about that? They think that's the only, they'll say something too. You know, they do those little vignettes on their life. Singing is my life. If I don't get this, I don't know where how, right? You know what's sad about that to me? They have bought the lie that if they're not singing and the superstar or whatever, that they don't matter. They're wrong. They're wrong. And what's sad is people have encouraged that rather than seeing their true gifts and encouraged them to follow those because it's not as if they're not gifted. It's just not that. That's not it. And I know back in the day when that show started and Simon Cowell was so rude. Remember? He'd be like, uh, that was horrible or whatever he'd say. You know, you look at that and I think, God, if somebody would have shown them, no, actually you have important things to do. Important things to do. Even, we're not going to read this entire passage, but in Ephesians 4, it says, God, their gifts Christ gave to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Paul wrote this. He wrote to the Corinthian church. He's talking about the fact that if anything, those of us that have titles, our job is to help you see your part to play in the body of Christ. You have a part to play in this body. And he goes on to say, that's so you won't be immature like children. Tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. and won't be influenced when people try to trick us to believe clever lies that sound like the truth. Does that sound like the world today? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I, I, 
I think about that. You know, we have, we have, uh, we've been doing, we have Sunday classes that are, are kind of ongoing, and I know a couple of them are due to end soon, and then we have our Wednesday classes. Why do we even do that? It's to equip you to do the works that you are destined to do. God is calling you to do. He's calling you to do these works. Uh, I'm gonna, we're going to send an um, email out to you tomorrow that just talks about it. I'd just kind of like to get your ideas on some of those classes that Wednesday might be interesting to you. I was, uh, was going to do it in church here, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to send an email to you. I had somebody say to me not too long ago, they were talking about a, a ministry they're in here at the church. And they said, um, does it really even matter though? I don't know that I'm doing enough for the kingdom. I don't know that it helps. It's not important. And I, I tried to convince them. And um, what it really did is broke my heart because they didn't see how God uses all of these parts. They thought they were less than because the part they played and I don't know, I, you know, I, I, I wanted to say, why do you think this? And I don't know, has anybody been to Britain, to London? Anybody here been there? Have you seen St. Paul's Cathedral? It is one of the most amazing buildings in the world. And if you don't know the story, I just want to tell it to you really quickly. In 1666, there was a massive fire. It went on for four days, and it gutted downtown London, destroyed all of these really cool old buildings that no longer exist. And the ones that it didn't destroy, most of them had to be torn down. Well, at the time, there was a, a renowned uh, architect. His name was, uh, he was knighted, so his name is Sir Christopher Wren. And he was commissioned with designing downtown London. So I want to show you some of the buildings, well, at least St. Paul's Cathedral, so you can see this. So he was rebuilding uh, the cathedral. And the story goes like this. One day he started walking around and talking to some of the workers that were laboring. And he came to the first worker and he said to him, hey, what are you doing? And the guy said, I'm cutting this piece of stone. And I'm sure he said it rude because he didn't know it was Sir Christopher Wren, the architect, who he was talking to. I'm sure he's like, duh, and you got a hammer and chisel here, cutting stone. All he could see was the stone right in front of him. The next guy he went up to and he said, what are you doing? And he said, oh, I'm working for two pence and shillings. All he could see is the money he was getting paid. He went up to the third man and said, what are you doing? And this man said, I am helping the great Sir Christopher Wren build the most beautiful cathedral that will have ever been created. Do you see the difference? you see the difference? I don't know what part you play in the body of Christ. I don't. Some of you I do. I mean, I I have an idea. I mean, I've seen what you do. I've seen what God has gifted you to do. But it's hard sometimes to know where you fit. And maybe you don't know how important it is what you're doing, but it matters. And maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, I'm not really doing anything. But you could. I'm not talking about just a volunteer role, although that's an easy way to give it and put a handle on it. I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking also about this, this, the context here is talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And maybe you're sitting here and thinks, I don't know about any gifts, and I don't even know what that even means, and I don't know how it would work. And you know what? How about you trust God that he has something for you, and he decides what it is, and we'll pray with you, and you seek him, and you find him. How about that? How about, how about whatever it is, that, that God, you trust that he has that in mind. If I could have the worship team join me here.
You may not think of it like this, but this is supposed to be, even our whole church is supposed to operate like a body. And I, again, I don't know what part you are. You, you can be the mouth, it's okay. But let's say, whatever it is, you have a part. Now, I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip, but this, this, I think about this. What if you are not willing to receive the gift and operate in that? Is it possible then there aren't some parts? Right? You ever, try, you ever hurt your hand and tried to get dressed? <laughs> like maybe your hand was all in a cast or something and you're just one-handed, like I can't even function. What if, what if we aren't what we could be as a church and, and there are people who need your, you to pray over them or people that, that need wisdom or, or people that need you to prophesy or people that need you to, to love and serve? What if? Paul goes on in this, this verse. He said, here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second prophets, third teachers. Then those who do miracles, then they get the healing. Those who can help others, those who have gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown tongues. Do you notice the list is different? Anybody notice that? We kind of don't see that unless you read the whole thing. Some, one, one thing that's interesting to do is Paul lists, he makes a lot of lists. One thing that it's easy to think is that his lists are comprehensive. He's not, he's not doing that. He's saying, hey, it's this, 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 and this. He's like, he's just using examples. I say that to say, don't limit yourself. Don't think that God has just only got a couple things. Then he says this in verse 29, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Here's what I want to do with us for just a moment. I have a couple things I want you to think about with your... Let's do this. Let's go ahead and close your eyes for a second. I never want to go to church service without this opportunity. You might have been sitting here and this was not an evangelistic sermon where I'm trying to get you saved. But today's your day. And you know that you have been maybe resisting turning your life over to God, but you realize today's your day. That you came here and you were hoping maybe that we would pray this prayer. But I'm just curious before we move on with this part of the service. Is there anybody here, you, you are not currently walking with Christ, but you want to start that journey? Anybody at all, just raise your hand and we will pray with you this morning. Anybody at all? All right, for the rest of you with your eyes closed and heads bowed, I just want you to think about this for a minute. Are you currently walking with the Spirit through the day? As we read these verses, did you have any indication that this was something that was limited to just church services or? No. As you're sitting there with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I had you raise your hands a number of times today because I wanted you to realize this is for you. God has these things for you. Now he gave two different lists. so. It could be something off these lists, and actually there are other lists. That's not, don't get hung up on that. What I want you to do is this. I want you to honestly say, God, if this is really from you, and you have something from me, then I want more of you. Now in a minute we are, I'm going to invite you down for prayer. 
and, and I, I want you to come. But I also want you to understand that if this is something that you're just talking to him about and you need to seek him about, that's okay too. God is, is so good. He is so good. He's so much bigger than, than us. I'm going to encourage you though. I'm going to encourage you to do this. Paul literally said to desire and strive for gifts, greater gifts. I want you to do that. I want you to pray. I want you to ask him. I want you to seek him. I want you to say, God, if not, why? Is there something I need to get out that's pulling me back, holding me back? I want you to spend more time with him in his word. And remember what it's for. These are to help each other. For you, for your family, for the church, for the people you run into on the street, everywhere you are, where you work, where you go to school. So let me just ask this question of everybody. And this I do want you to raise your hand. Keep your eyes closed. Do you desire these gifts? Raise your hand if you do. All right. Well, let's pray. Uh, I'm going to ask you to stand. And those who are part of our staff and and board and their spouses and then the prayer team. If you'd come forward, we just want to spend time in prayer with you for a few minutes and then I'll close our service in a second. So let's, let's pray.
as you go through the rest of this day and tonight, and as you pray in the morning, I, I want you to pray something like this. God, I know you have gifts for me. I don't know what they are. I don't know how they fit, where they work. But I'm open to what you have for me. Would you just tell him that and let him speak to you, let him show you. Sometimes he speaks. Of course, I, I know people who've heard his voice audibly. I've never heard it that way. What I hear is an impression. I'm reading in the word and something just jumps out to me in a different way. I talk to somebody. Um, let him speak to you. Let me pray over you. Father, I'm grateful that you, you look at us as dearly loved children. I'm thankful that you care about us in a way that is beyond our comprehension. I'm thankful that you count us worthy to use us in this body of Christ, that you count us worthy to have gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I ask, Lord, that you would continue to speak to our hearts and minds and show us what those are. Help us, Lord God, to be open to you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. All right, go help each other. Go help each other. Have a great day.